0: second here. We handed you a novel when you came in the door today, so let me find the teaching notes. Hey, we're going to be working off of these today, pull these out. Those are the teaching notes. My name is Jared Kirk. I'm the lead pastor here. Happy Memorial Day to you. We are so glad to have you guys here with us, and um, we are almost as equally excited to have J.P. Licks after the service today. You know, I feel like if you come to church on Memorial Day, you deserve free ice cream, you know? Good for you guys. So, Today, we're closing our teaching series called Unshakeable Faith, and faith is so important in your life. Faith is there when you're scared. If you've ever uh, shown up on that first day of work and you've been anxious, or you've shown up on that first day of school and you're a little bit nervous, you know what I'm talking about? You need faith. Faith is important when the circumstances of your life feel out of control and you start worrying and the people around you are doing things and you just start getting really worried and you have trouble sleeping at night, you need faith. Faith is important when, um, when you have somebody in your life who is continually mean and disrespectful to you and you just don't know what to do about that person. And it could be on the playground, they call you the, name, the wrong name every day on purpose and you're a boy and they call you a girl's name or it could be in the office, someone who never grew up and is still disrespectful and rude every day of their lives. There are bullies whether you are six or 60. Can I get an amen, (laughs) right? And you need faith to deal with these situations, not just out of your fear, not out of being afraid, but dealing with them with confidence with God in your life. You need faith. Faith can be hard though because you can't see faith You can't feel faith, you can't hear faith, you can't taste faith. So how do you get faith in your life? What does the Bible say about faith? How do you get it? Well, when the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about a religion. Sometimes people will say, I'm a part of the Christian faith, or I'm a part of the Jewish faith, or I'm a part of the Buddhist faith. But that is not how God talks about faith in the Bible. Some people think faith is just belief. Like, uh, I believe that Santa Claus exists, I believe that God exists, that's not what the Bible means by faith. In fact, the Bible goes out of its way to, to say that faith does not just mean believing, that there's something extra to it. So when we look in the Bible and say, what exactly is faith, the Bible gives us a story of a guy named Abraham, and if you can read, this story is in your teaching notes. So it's right here on the first page. And here's what it says when it's explaining how you get faith in your life. It says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Now, the story of Abraham and Isaac is one of the weirdest stories in the whole Bible, but here's what it boils down to. God asked Abraham to give him his most treasured possession. Now maybe you have a most treasured possession in the in your world. It might be a blanket that you will not let go of. It might be a stuffed animal. We had a fish in our house named seaweed for a couple weeks. May he rest in peace. <laughs> we had a whole funeral. It was a deal. <laughs> I made my daughter cry. It was it was, it was not good. Turned out we were actually living out in real life an episode of the Cosby Show. (laughs) But maybe you have a treasured possession. Well, Abraham's most treasured thing in his entire life was his son Isaac. And God was basically saying, Abraham, I want you to prove how much you love me by giving me your son Isaac. Now, God didn't really want Isaac. He just wanted to know, would Abraham let go of that thing he treasured the most? So, when Abraham believed God, and he showed faith, and he obeyed God, and he was willing to give his son Isaac to God at the last minute. God said, okay, Abraham, you can stop. Now I know that you love me because you trusted me enough to obey me. You passed the test. And so that's what that verse in James 2 is talking about, that Abraham trusted God enough to obey him. And that's the real definition of faith now if you can write write this down in your teaching notes on the front faith is trusting god enough to obey him and if you need help with the spelling it's on the screen whether you're six or 36 i know some of you can use help with the with the spelling faith is trusting god enough to obey him now i like this definition of faith because It means that when I have faith, I can say, I believe God exists, I trust what God says, and I act on what God asks me to do. That's all a part of faith. And if faith is trusting God enough to obey him, then that also tells me how I can grow in my faith because I can grow in my ability to trust God. You can grow in your ability to trust someone else. Have you ever gotten in trouble for doing something wrong And your parents, instead of punishing you, said, I'm so disappointed in you. Has that ever happened to you? Uh Uh-huh. It happens in the Kirk house, clearly. I'm so disappointed in you, it's hard for me to trust you now, they might say. And so how do you rebuild trust when trust has been broken? Well, you've got to obey every time and over time. And so you can't just obey sometimes, but not other times. That's not gonna build trust. And you can't just obey for a couple days and then stop. That's not gonna rebuild trust. You have to, you have to obey uh, every time and over time. Well, it works the same way with God. When God shows up in your life and comes through in your life every time and over time, your trust in God grows. Your faith gets bigger because God comes through every time and over time. So let's think about Abraham. How did Abraham get to the place where he would obey God by offering God the most important thing in his life, his treasured possession, his son Isaac? How did he get that big of a faith? Well, it turns out that he had been flexing his faith muscles his whole life. He had been growing in his trust of God, and there was a cycle that was happening in his life, and here's what it looked like. First, God would test Abraham. Then, Abraham would obey God, and then God would bless Abraham. This is on the inside of your teaching notes. First, there's testing, then there's obedience, and finally, there's blessing. You see, so God would test Abraham, Abraham would obey God, and then when God would show up in Abraham's life, Abraham would learn, oh, When I obey God, good things happen to me. When I trust God, good things happen in my life and my trust in God grows. Um, I wrote down, you know, the very first time Abraham had to do this, it was about God um, saying, Abraham, you've been living in your parents' basement long enough and so you're gonna have to leave your parents' home and you're gonna have to move to a foreign country. Now, I'm telling this to you today, children, just to prepare you for when you're 18, because you can't live in your parents' basement forever. This is, liter- this is pretty close to what God says. Let me read it to you. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Listen, I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others, So can you imagine how scary it would be to move out of your parents' house into a foreign country? You wouldn't know the language they speak. They would all wear funny clothes, and even worse, they would eat funny food, and they would expect you to eat the same funny food all the time. But God told Abram to go and Abram obeyed God and then God blessed him. That's the trust building cycle we talked about. God tested him, Abraham obeyed, and he was blessed. Abraham became one of the richest men in the entire world at that time because he moved out of his parents' basement and moved to a foreign country like God told him to. See, God asked, Abraham learned that when you obey God, you are blessed and his faith grew big. So that by the time God said, would you offer me your most treasured, special possession, Abraham could say yes. So just like Abraham flexed his faith muscles and he got stronger in faith, we can do the same thing. So here's how this applies to our life. How do I build unshakable faith every day? I obey God in the little things. I obey God in the little things. You're never gonna have big unshakable faith until you flex those faith muscles in the little things and you obey God and are blessed and then your trust in God grows. I thought about this in the Bible. There's another story of a guy that has huge unshakable faith. His name was Daniel. And you probably know Daniel because he got thrown into a den full of lions well the kids know the story he got thrown into a den full of lions because the king said you can't pray to anybody except me the king for the next 90 days i think it was 90 days and 30 thank you i knew you were here for a reason 30 days and um, Daniel said, Well, I don't care what the king said, I have to obey God. And so Daniel went up into his room with the windows open so everybody could see. And he got down on his knees and he prayed. And then he got thrown into the lion's den, and God rescued him out of the lion's den. Well, that was a pretty bold move. So, how do you get to a place that you have faith that's that big? Well, you start by obeying God in the little things. You know what the first thing God ever told Daniel to do? Eat your vegetables. First thing, take a look at it. You don't believe me. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's food nor with the wine which he drank, and David says, "Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water." Daniel said. Daniel had these funny dietary restrictions. He could only eat certain foods, like our next-door neighbor doesn't eat meat, he only eats vegetables. He only eats plant cheese. And that's kind of Daniel. Daniel had these special rules on what he could and couldn't eat. And he wasn't going to break those rules. He had to obey God when it came to eating his vegetables. And as a result of doing that, Daniel was blessed. Guess what happened? Show the trust building cycle again. God tested Daniel. Are you going to obey me with the vegetables or not? And Daniel said, I will do it. I'll eat nothing but vegetables and water for 10 days. That sounds about like the worst punishment you could possibly have, doesn't it? Yeah, well, edamame, you would just eat edamame, okay. (laughs) Vegetables and water for 10 days, and as a result, God blesses Daniel, and um, Daniel works his way up to be put over the entire kingdom of Babylon. It is... It is the stepping stone towards God's great blessing in Daniel's life because Daniel obeyed by only eating vegetables. Isn't that crazy? You have to obey in the little things and flex your faith muscles there so that you're ready for the big things when the lion's den is on the line. So what are the little things in your life where you need to obey God? The Bible says children obey your parents. Do you need to obey your parents in the little things? Now, the Bible says everyone has to honor their parents. Children have to obey their parents. So do you need to honor your parents in some way? Or do you need to, if you're younger, do you need to obey your parents? Is there a little thing where you need to obey God in terms of bringing him his full 10%? When you make a dollar, in our house, you get a quarter for every doggy bag full of poop you pick up. It is the worst way to earn money in the city of Boston. But every time you earn a dollar, you bring 10 cents and give it to the Lord. So do you need to honor God with the full 10% of your life? And, and we do that whether you make $10 or $100,000. Do you need to be careful with your words? The Bible talks about not making promises, just saying yes if you mean yes and no if you mean no. And when you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I'll do it, you go do it. So do you need to obey with your words? Do you need to make sure you're speaking kindly, that you're encouraging others and lifting them up with your words? Or how about refusing to sneak? Here's something that never gets talked about in church. Sneaking is a problem for children, and have you noticed it's also a problem for adults too? When you sneak... It is dangerous to your soul because you're not letting anybody else in on your life. You're closing yourself off to the the life-giving words. So maybe to obey God, you need to stop sneaking to get extra screen time or office supplies or fill in your blank. So what is the little thing in your life where you need to obey God? Now, on the connection card today, it actually says, My next step today is to begin to obey God in the area of, and maybe you need to write that down. And then here's a question, because when you're actually tempted to do the wrong thing, I know how hard this is. Temptation is tough. So here's a question that I sometimes ask myself to help myself choose the right thing. What blessing might I miss out on if I don't obey God in this little thing? What blessing might I miss out on if I don't obey God in this little thing? Because God's blessing follows obedience. Maybe God wants to give you the blessing of more self-control. Maybe God wants to give you the blessing of more responsibility. That's what happened in Daniel's life. Maybe God wants to give me the blessing of less supervision and more freedom at work or at home. Maybe God wants to give me the blessing of putting me in charge of things. Maybe God wants to bless me financially. Maybe God wants to bless me with even more faith. All of these things can come when we obey God. So that's the question that I ask myself. What blessing might I miss out on if I don't obey God in this little thing? Now, as we close our time today, because I promised you'd be a shorter message, You know, all this talk about obedience and blessing, if you're not used to God, if you don't know God really well, it can be kind of confusing because you you might start to think God just rewards people who are good, and that's all there is to it. It's like a transactional relationship. But that's not how it is with my kids. I don't love my kids because they're good. I want my kids to be good because I love them. And it's the same way with our heavenly Father. And think about it. He even wants to be known as a heavenly Father, not a heavenly reward giver. All of this talk about obedience and blessing comes out of God's love for us. Right? When you obey and follow God's law, you are blessed. And that's why God wants us to obey, because he wants us to experience blessing in our lives. In fact, the Bible links together the ideas of obedience and love. Look at what it says in John 14, 21. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Can you do nothing but disobey your parents and still claim to love them? I don't think so. Because when you're in that kind of relationship, to love them is to obey them. In fact, in my house, we'll often talk about this when things maybe aren't going real well. We say, like, if, if you continue to do this, you will receive a punishment. We say, or maybe we'll say a consequence if we're feeling like really enlightened 2019 parents, right? Same idea. But there's a better, re- I, like, I want you to obey. And if you have to obey so that you don't get a consequence, fine. But there's a better reason to obey. And that's because you love and honor and respect your parents. But there's an even better reason to obey and that is because you love and honor God and you want to do the right thing. So there are better reasons to obey. And to obey God is to show your love for God. That's what Jesus says in John 14, 21. But not only is obedience about us loving God, all of this comes out of God loving us. God loves you. God loves you, and that's the number one reason why you can trust him. That's the reason why, if you're not sure about this, you don't know if you have faith, the reason you could start to have faith today is because of how, the the reason you could start to trust him today is because of how much he loves you. You know, Abraham, Abraham had to be willing to give up his son to God, to show his love for God. But God actually gave up his son for us, his son Jesus, to show how much he loved us. Jesus died on a cross and then he rose from the dead. And he did that so that if you put your trust in Jesus, he will forgive you from your sins, he will give you the power you need to change, to break bad habits, to live with self-control, and he will give you an eternity and a future home in heaven. And he did that because he loves you. John three sixteen says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that is the best reason ever to obey God is because of how much he loves you. So that's it. Faith is trusting God enough to obey him. And we do that because he loves us.